uh, Romer, believe in God, to start that heart and just turn, and, and turn that around. Mark Twain said, the two greatest days of your life, the first is the day you were born. The second is the day you realize why you were born. The greatest day of your life is when you were born. And the second greatest day is realizing why you were born. I also wrote something down here that the Lord gave me yesterday as, as Al and I were out goofing around. And it has to do with leadership. And, you know, I am a type A personality. I'm a sanguine, choleric. Uh, I know my gifting. I know my talents. I know my purpose. I know my destiny. I am an encourager. I'm a counselor. I'm a, I'm a teacher. That's what God has called me to do, and that's what God has called me to be. But I wrote a little note about leadership. Leadership is not about getting better. Leadership is about making somebody else better. Leadership is not about getting better. It's about making someone else better. There's a story in the Bible. It's a very popular story of when Moses sent the spies into the land to spy out the land. He uh, was politically correct by sending one from each tribe. And so 12 spies went into the land and scattered it out. They all came back with a report that it was an awesome land. The fruit, the, everything about the land was awesome. But 10 came back with a negative report concerning the giants. And there were giants. Some of them had six fingers. Some of them were over nine foot tall. And 10 of the spies were terrified what they saw. Two of the spies, Caleb and Joshua, said, it's our land. We can do it. We can take it. One attitude was the giant is too big to hit. The other attitude is the giant is too big to miss. I heard someone say, you couldn't hit the side of a barn door. I don't know if you've ever heard that or not, but I believe every one of us can take a weapon and can probably shoot a barn door because the target is too big to miss. And that was the attitude of Joshua and Caleb. And you know the story. They did not go into the promised land. And in the next 40 years, every single part of that generation died except for three men. And that was Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. And Moses began to declare the work of the Lord. And Moses began to declare concerning Caleb. He said, Caleb is a man with a wholly different spirit about him. A wholly different spirit about him. Joshua had to say about his friend Caleb. said, Caleb is a man that wholly follows God. And Caleb said about himself, I'm a man that knows God's heart. And I'm pursuing after God's heart. Three things there. What are people saying about you? What are your peers saying about you? What is your pastor saying about you? What are your children saying about you? What are they declaring over you? And should they be declaring some things over you? I wrote a, a few things down about value, about human value and the value of every single person in this building. And you may not feel like you're very valuable or worth very much. So I, I wrote some notes down from some famous actors that have insured some of their body parts. And I have here James Cagney insured his nose for $50,000. Taylor Swift has insured her legs for $6 million. Dolly Parton has insured her chest at $2 million. Jennifer Lopez has insured her hiney for $11 million. And Tom Jones, remember Tom Jones, insured his hairy chest for $50,000. Rod Stewart insured his voice for $10 million. And Jimmy Page, the uh, guitarist for Led Zeppelin, insured his hands for $10 million. So I, I look at that, and I look at the, the, the value the different ones place upon what they have in their life, what they have done, what they have 
accomplished and what they've overcome. And I just want to encourage you today that God places value on your life. He places so much value that he sent his only begotten son that if you're the only person in the world, Christ still would have died for you and gave his life for you so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. I noticed on Survivor there's a new series, and it's a series, I don't know how many have seen it, but they're advertising a series. The next series is going to be David and Goliath. And I thought how crazy that Hollywood would take something that we know to be true. We know the story. We, we appreciate the story. We enjoy the story. And we know that David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible, the Bible says that about him. David had some bumps in the road. David had some snags. But David pursued the things of God. He's given credit for writing almost 100 of the 150 Psalms in the Bible. But he's the guy that said, I can take this giant out. I can deal with this giant. In 1 Samuel 16 and 15, I just want to share just a few verses there, if I may. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. Most of you are aware that when God brought the people out of Egypt into the promised land, they began to prosper. They were successful. And that generation wanted a king because other kingdoms that they had conquered had a king. They wanted a king to represent them. Samuel said, this is not a good idea to have a king. If you have a king, he will take your sons into battle and they will die. He'll place your daughters in his castle to serve him and you'll be subject to him and he will tax you and there'll be a lot of stress, a lot of frustrations, but the people said, no, we want a king. So God chose Samuel to pick out a king. He did not pick out a king because of integrity or honesty or personality. He picked out a king because he was head and shoulders above everybody else. And so Samuel anoints Saul to be king of Israel. Early in ministry, Saul drops the ball. He tries to do something that only Samuel can do. And the Bible says that God, through his spirit, from Saul and placed it on somebody else. And we know that later that God's going to anoint David to be the king of Israel. But Saul is going through a season in his life that he's been tormented by demonic spirit. And the only cure of being released from this torment was godly music. I thought how powerful that God uses music and God uses worship to deter the darkness and to drive away demonic spirits and drive away frustration and depression and all those things attached to the dark side that the enemy so likes to tromp and stomp around in our garden. Can anybody relate? There's just something, there's just something about anointed music. This morning, our hearts were lifted, and we were taken from one level to another, from one dimension to another, to another place to the power of praise and worship. Seven times in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the soldiers never got to fight because the choir sang so good, the musicians played so good, the power of God came down, defeated the enemy, and the soldiers never even got to draw their sword. So the next day, all the soldiers resigned the army and joined the choir because that's where the action was. The action is in the worship. The action is in the praise. It's not just a 20-minute window that we say we're going to do because we're three points of poem and a prayer. That's not the way we roll, but we try to open the door for you to touch God as you may not be able to touch him in the week. There's something about a corporate anointing that brings the favor and blessing of the Lord. And I have been told, I have not, that I remember, I've only been one time to a Benny Hinn meeting, but I've been told by those that work the altars 
that the majority of the miracles that take place in Benny Hinn's ministry is not when he lays hands upon them, but it's when the choir and the worship team is praising and worshiping. Many will stand up out of wheelchairs. Blind eyes will open. The, the deaf ears will come unstopped through the worship and through the praise. And so Saul, even though he had wandered from God, had, had, had disobeyed God, he knew if I can get somebody that can touch God in music, if I can get somebody to touch God in worship, I know that I can be delivered. So notice the follow-up on that. Verse 18. Then answered one of his servants and said, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse of Bethlehem that is cunning and playing, a mighty valiant man, a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Five attributes here that I want to bring to your attention this morning. Things that we can do to better ourselves, and things we can do to bless ourselves, and things we can do to open doors for favor and open doors for blessings. God will never leave you the way He found you. Let me say that God will never leave you the way He found you. When you walk through the Word of God and see all the different ones that God encountered, they were one way and God made them another way. I think about Enoch. A normal man that walked this earth, and the Bible says that he walked so close with God that one day God took him home. I think about Moses, a murderer who dropped the ball, but God uses him to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. I think about Gideon, who was a loser, but the angel said, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. I look at Noah, Noah who had some struggles, and he built a, he built a vineyard. And he, got, he began to pursue alcohol. And God comes and turns his life around and uses him to build an ark to save the world. God will never leave you the way that he found you. And there are things that you can do to better yourself, the things you can do to bless yourself, the things you can do to pursue the things of God so you can be what God wants you to be. And I'm not preaching to an empty building this morning. I'm talking to David's that have a call on their life, that have a purpose on their life, a plan on their life. And when David was doing the meanly taking care of a bunch of smelly sheep, the Bible says that one day a lion roared against David. And David, because he was responsible for his father's flock and he would not lose a single sheep, Karen, he went, the Bible says, he slew that lion. And then a few days or a few months later, he's in the, in the field taking care of the father's sheep and a bear roars against one of the sheep and would devour the sheep. And David, because he was responsible for that, that flock, responsible to his dad, the Bible says that David killed that bear with his bare hands. David had this tendency to practice until he was perfect. Let me say that again. Practice does not make you perfect. Perfect practice makes you perfect. I've learned for years that I've been hitting the golf ball the wrong way. It doesn't matter how many hours I spend on the range, no matter how much time I spend around instructors, if I keep doing it the way that I learned how to do it, I'll never get it right. We had a golf pro in our church years ago, uh, a very famous golf pro. He uh, won a lot of money, won thousands of dollars. He actually golfed with Arnold Palmer. He was an older gentleman. And one day as I was in the pulpit, uh, chagrinning over my golf game, he come up after service and said, let me take you out to the driving range and I'm a golf pro, and let me give you some lessons and see how you do. So he got a bucket of balls and set it on the driving range, and I proceeded to whack every single ball in that bucket. One went north, one went south, one went east, and one went west. And one, I even lost my club and threw it out on the fairway. And it was so embarrassing, I had to walk out there and get my club. 
And he watched me. He watched me hit the, hit the entire bucket of balls and looked at me and he said, let me tell you something. You have perfected your mistakes. You do it wrong every single time. And so he spent some time and actually, actually I backed off my driver and started driving with the four iron and actually got within a window that I could pretty much stay on the golf course. Not necessarily in my fairway, but I could stay on the golf course and I never really hurt anybody or wounded anybody. And because I'm always looking for a discount, when it looked like the ball was going to hit somebody, I never said four. I always said three ninety nine. <laughs> any, anyway, David made up his mind. And let me ask you a question. What are you doing in your spare time? What are you doing to better yourself? What are you doing to become a blessing in the body of Christ? Two things that David did while he was taking care of his father's sheep. He perfected the sling. And that's true when you see where he races towards Goliath and he gets that rock going in that sling. He releases that rock and that nine-foot giant. There's one area that's, that's vulnerable on his body. And that's where his face plate, plate met. There was a little area right here, just a, for, a piece of a forehead. And as David was running towards Goliath, the Bible says he hit Goliath right between the eyes and knocked him down. Then he went over and got what the enemy intended to use against him. He took Goliath's sword. So you can take what the enemy tries to use against you to make you better, hello, to make you stronger. He said, I won't put more on you than you can bear. So when you're going through a storm, know that God knows the outcome. He knows the expected end. Jeremiah 29, it's a good plan. You're pursuing the plan. You're not going to burn out. You're not going to lose. You're going to win because God knows what you're made of. And he perfected that sling. And who knows how many hours he spent throwing that, that rock at whatever object he would set up whatever targets. The other thing that he did was he, protect, he perfected the harp. He was a skillful musician. He was so skillful and so anointed that demonic spirits would flee when he started playing the harp. How crazy is that? Now, I've been accused of playing music in my car that invites demons, but David had the mindset that he played music that defeated demons. So I don't know which one you'd rather have, the one that invites them or the one that defeats him. How many says, I'm in the defeating. I like the defeating. Then don't be listening to KLOS 106. Stay over there around 88.9. That's where Pastor Rhonda plays. That's a safe place. You're not going to get any demonic activity in your car. You're not going to hear anything back masking your car. Stay on 88. Stay away from 105.7. Stay away from 106.5. But as for me and my house, I pray in tongues enough to drive off any spirits, Elio, that we would invite in the car. Hello, do I have a friend in the house? Five things that are said here about David, five areas of our life that we can focus on and we can perfect. Number one, the Bible says that David was cunning in playing. He was good at what he did. He, he, he perfected what he practiced. He followed the purpose and plan of God. God put in his heart and spirit. Not everyone in this house is going to be a musician. Not everyone in this house is going to be a singer. I promise you, and I would bet my last paycheck that Austin Chadwick will never get a contract to sing rock music in his life. But there's nobody that worships God more fluently and boldly than Austin Chadwick. Angel was the same way. Angel couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. He was horrible. But the thing that is, he made a joyful noise unto the Lord. And when God looked at it, he didn't see noise, N-O-I-Z. He saw Zion, Z-I-O-N. 
that there was glory in that worship. There was power in that praise. And God honors that. And David was a successful musician. And he practiced and became the very best. What are you practicing in your spare time? What are you doing in your spare time? The second thing that it says about David, he was a valiant man. That word valiant means he was a man of integrity. Are you letting your yeas be yeas and your nays be yeas? Are you careful of the verbiage that's coming out of your mouth? Are you, are you committing, making commitments that you're following up on? Is, is anybody hearing me in the house this morning? Are, are you watching your life? Are you realizing that others are watching your life? At Queen for a Day, those ladies would watch you, watch you. It changed their life to know that you came out. It changed their life to know that thousands of dollars, hundreds of hours were spent just for them. They're watching your life. What kind of picture are you painting for them? Rod Stewart was on the radio this morning, and he said, every picture tells a story, don't it? Your life is a picture. Your life is telling a story. What kind of integrity is coming from you, and what are you teaching others? The third thing that it says about David is that he was a man of war. We talked about him perfecting the sling, but more than the sling, he perfected worship because worship is warfare. And if you don't believe that worship is warfare, go through a horrible storm and then try to come to the house of God and lift your hands and lift your head and lift your voice and sing when all hell is against you, when there's a punch list aimed at you to take you out, to destroy you, to set you back, to mess you up, and you come to the house of God and you say, I'm going to put all of that on the back burner, I'm going to put all of that behind me, and I'm going to this place and I am going to worship God in spirit and in truth because God dwells in spirit and truth, and I'm going to touch the heart of God this morning in my worship. I have a friend, that, another friend, he's, he went on to be the Lord now, but uh, my friend could not carry a tune in a bucket. I'm telling you, he was like the worst singer. He was worse than angel, if that's possible. He was bad. And he'd been in our church. He ministered several times before he died. But he had a whistling ministry. He would whistle in tune. He could harmonize with the whistle. It was scary how well he could whistle. He made up his mind. I might not be able to clap my hands like everybody else. I may not be able to play the guitar like Chris Vernon. I may not be able to sing like Eddie Van Halen, but this one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to whistle for the glory of God. And listen, if you're a lousy singer, then get a harmonica, get a tambourine, get some way of expressing yourself and let God know, I'm here today to tear down strongholds. I'm here today to walk in victory. I'm here today to defeat some demons. I'm going to be better when I leave this place than when I came in. I came a little tired, but right now I feel pretty good. I've had 11 cups of coffee, two espressos, and one of those, those caffeine pills, I, one of those little shot drinks. I am ready to worship God. And maybe, maybe you need a little motivation. Maybe when you start getting some of that Colombian coffee and serving it in the lobby, and that way you guys will be awake when it's time to worship God, and you won't sit like a knot on a log, and you won't go through your phone contacts while worship's going on, and you won't make 18 trips to the bathroom, and you won't, hello, I'm preaching good, but you're not. If i got to come down there and amen myself, this is going to take a lot longer this morning to get done. Amen. Cunning. He was, he was cunning. The fourth thing said he was prudent in matter. I shared last week that word prudent means another mindset, another dimension. He was not operating in the natural dimension. He was operating in the spiritual dimension. For a 15, 16-year-old, 17-year-old boy, however many believe he was 17, for a 17-year-old boy to take on a seasoned 
warrior, there had to be some kind of confidence in the God that he served. There had to be something encouraging David, an, another spirit, another anointing, another dimension. Uh, Pastor Billy called uh, yesterday, called, actually called the day before that he called yesterday, and we're going to open some doors with Daystar, and we're honored that we get to be that liaison there and open that. What we were talking about, uh, he had a, a miracle of a 28-year-old girl that was um, blind her whole life, and they were in Canada, and uh, they were, the family came to hear him preach, and the, the, da the daughter came, and her mom and dad came. And in that, in that healing service, God opened her eyes, 28 years old, and she saw for the very first time, she looked and saw her dad, who she'd never seen before, and then she saw her children, and we're trying to coordinate right now them going to Daystar, the daughter and the pastor, to confirm that she'd been blind her whole life. And I said, Pastor Billy, I said, right now you are operating in another dimension. You're operating in another wave. You're operating in a, in a, in a wholly, different, wholly different level. You're, you're at a completely different level of ministry. And there's a price to pay for that. There's hours and hours of prayer. There's obedience. There's faithfulness. There's doing everything that God calls you to do when it doesn't always seem to be wonderful and glamorous and, and fitting. They, sometimes God will ask you to step out of your box and do things that aren't comfortable. God may give you a word for somebody. God may give you a new song. I had a prophetic word over Steve, uh, well, it doesn't matter who, but a prophetic word over a, a psalmist. And I said, get a journal, get a pen, lay it by your bed. At 3.33 in the morning, God's going to start waking you up, and he's going to give you songs that the angels in heaven sing. Now, how cool would it be to get a word like that, but not get a journal, not get a pen, hear the song, don't write it down, and forgot it? Have you ever had this great dream? It's like, that was really a great dream. And then the next morning, you can't remember the dream. Anybody? Three, four. How many said, I'm not going to lift my hand. I don't care what you say. Where are you at? There you go. They're all over the house. I mean, I mean write, write it down. Here's what, the, here's what the vision says. Get the vision and write it down and proclaim it because it's going to come to pass. He was prudent. It was a different mindset. And then lastly, and this is very insignificant, but I believe it's important to dress for success. The Bible says that David was a good-looking kid. The Bible says he was comely. That meant that he went, every time he went out in public, he looked good. You never know who you're going to meet in public. You never know what's going to happen in public. And you know what? It's okay to wear your pajamas around the house, but don't wear them to Walmart. Don't be, don't be wearing your, your G-string G to Walmart. Hello, dress for success. It's important, it's important that, that you realize that you may not be as handsome as me. I hate that for you. You may not be good-looking like me. I, I hate that for you. The other day, some girl asked my phone number. I said, are you hitting on me? And she said, you're too, you're too old to hit on. Then it didn't hurt my feelings because it was, I, I think she was kidding, and I think I was kidding, but it's okay. I'll give you her address. It's okay. But, but, you, but you, when you need to look in the mirror, you need to be the best that you can be for the glory of God. And listen, if you need paint, make, makeup, whatever, do it, wear it, go for it. Put it on, look good. So we're at the right place at the right time to meet the right person for the right promotion. You fit the part, you look the part, and you're going to get the part. And I conclude, and this is, not, this is not in one of the five. I gave you all five. But the Bible says that at the end of the battle, when David had killed Goliath, he had Goliath's head by the hair. And he had Goliath's sword, and he was walking down the street. He and Saul were walking together, and the wives began to sing 
Saul has killed his thousands. But the virgins, the handmaidens begin to sing, yes, but David has killed his tens of thousands. A prophetic word spoken over David by the handmaidens of the Lord that later will come to pass. David will eventually kill thousands of the Philistines, the enemy of Saul. But at that time, he had only killed one. See, in order to kill thousands, you have to step out and kill the first one. You got to take that first one out. You got to get that. You got to get that smell of blood in your nose. You got to get that 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 perspiration of effort. You've got to see something go down in your life that has dared to confront you, that has dared to try to deflate you and hurt you and wound you. And you have an attitude saying, "No more. This is not going to happen anymore." In Jesus' name, I take authority over this infirmity. I take authority over this inferior spirit. I take authority over this depression, this discouragement. I'm going forward. I'm going to defeat it, and it's going to stay in the altars this morning, and I'm leaving this house more than a conqueror through him that called me and declared these things over me in Jesus' name. Go ahead. And there you have it. It's important. You help me with some music, awesome. I know I've hurt your feelings, and I'll ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> we try to honor everyone in this house that has a birthday. Someone just had a birthday. Lexi? Is it Lexi's birthday, Josh? Tell her we were going to sing happy birthday to her, but she, she wasn't here. She has a party later this evening, everyone. And thank God you were born. Thank God you're here. But there's a path. There's a door. There's a place where you need to come to grips with why you're here. Why am I here? Why did God plant me on this earth? He does nothing by coincidence. God is a very precise, focused God. Not only creating you and developing you, but David said before you were in your mother's womb, he had a purpose for your life, a good purpose. And there are those in this house that you've overcome some great things. There are some lists that you can make. I overcame drug addiction. Listen, if you can overcome drug addiction, you can beat up anything the devil tries to throw your way. I overcame the season of suicide. Listen, if you can overcome the season of suicide, you can overcome any snag the enemy's going to throw in your path. Man, I was broke, but now I have a job a car. I have money in my pocket. I'm putting money in the offering. I'm doing things in the kingdom. God has no intentions for you to borrow your way through life. And God has no intention for you to spend your whole life on welfare or food stamps. That's not God's plan. That's the government's plan. And it's not a good plan because it takes away your motivation to get out there and take that job that God has already orchestrated for you ordained for you and ordered for you. He orders your steps. He ordains your step. He orchestrates your step. Everything you do, God sings over you. And God declares his word over you in the power of song. So 
if you don't know why God brought you into this world, give me about 30 minutes of counseling, and we'll come up with something. Hello? We'll, we'll find what your gifts and talents are. We'll, we'll sharpen those talents. We'll sharpen those things. Donnie's not here today, but Donnie came up a couple of months ago with the crazy idea, Leanne. That was a crazy idea. And he had, he had this desire to do some things, and it was, it was some incredible things. And this past week, you got documentation that he can now do those things. He accomplished what he set out to accomplish. What a lot of people don't know about Donnie, Donnie's one of those guys that if he doesn't know how to do it, he goes to school and he learns. There was a season when we had like seven chainsaws that wouldn't start, three weed eaters that were a joke, and a backpack that would, it wouldn't blow. So Donnie, what Donnie did, Donnie went to school and got a degree on small engine repair. And now you know if we have a weeder that's bad or a chainsaw that's bad, well, we take the ace because Donnie's way too busy in the second job to do the chainsaw and the weed eater. But the, but the point is, find, find something you like. Get good at it. Pursue it. Find somebody that's better than you and allow them to mentor you. Three people are talking about you right now. In your, right now, three people are talking about you. One is God. What is God saying about you? The second is your pastor, your spiritual authority. If your spiritual authority has to give account to God, what's your spiritual authority going to say to God about you? If you were the only attender of this church, what kind of church would this church be? If every praiser were just like me, what kind of church would church harvest be? If every tither were just like me, what kind of church would church harvest be? You do your own self-inventory. You do your own inflection. And you determine, I'm not happy where I'm at. I'm going to leave this place, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to take back what the enemy has stolen. And you can disqualify yourself all you want, but let me tell you about the lepers. They were disqualified. They were banned from the city. They're outside the gate. They were, they were, re they were rejects. They were throwaways. They were, they were completely wiped off the face of the earth in that city. And they looked at one another and said, why sit here till we die? We're just going to sit around and just, and just die? No, let's go do something for God. And when they went to where the enemy was, the enemy, through God's intervention, the enemy got so intimidated and so frightened, they fled. And when they fled, they left spoils, and it took three days to gather up the spoils. Because in those days, they didn't have banks or safe deposit boxes that when a warrior went to battle, he took all of his wealth with him, all of his gold, all of his silver, every, everything. And so when the, when, the, when the enemy fled, they left all that wealth, and those lepers were able to go from dust to a castle. Quit living in the dust. Quit, quit agreeing with everything that life says you've got to be or life says you've got to do. What is God saying about you? What's your spiritual authority saying about you? And lastly, what are you saying about yourself? When you get up in the morning, what are you, when you, when you brush your teeth and comb your hair, or whatever you do in the morning, and you look in your reflection, what are you saying to yourself? Are you saying, this is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to go out and find everything that God has for me today and take it 
And if I've got to fight for it, I'm going to fight for it. If I've got to pray more, I'm going to pray more. If I've got to give, I'm going to give more. But whatever happens before this day is over, I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to make a difference. Every day of your life, you could honor a young lady, make her a queen for a day. Every, every, every day of your life, there's someone that you can help, someone that you can encourage, someone that you can bless. As every head is bowed, as every eyes closed for the third time this morning. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this season. Thank you for the fact that you never leave us the way you found us. You're an encourager. You're the blesser and the glory and the lifter of my head. Let me see visions. Let me see dreams. Let me, let me be focused on promises and provisions. Let me change my mindset. Let me change my vocabulary. Let me change the people I'm hanging around with that are scourging me. Let me start listening and hanging around good voices, good people, good sources. Let your word become alive. Let it become so alive that I can't live without it, that I've got to feed on it constantly. Give me that love. Give me that hunger. And let me start crossing some things off of my list, things that, that, that I'm, I'm no longer that person anymore. I'm what you have called me to be and what you want me to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And you all say, amen. I'm going to give you a chance to sow in an offering this morning. The Word says we bring His tithe, our offering in the storehouse. This is a way to tear down some walls. This is a way to plant some good seed and good soil. You have good seed. This is good soil. This is a ministry that's changing lives. And we thank you for your faithfulness and your consistency and your obedience. If everyone did what God called them to do, this church will have everything it needs to meet the needs of this community. I believe that with all of my heart. If you need an offering envelope, lift your hand, and uh, these handsome ushers will bless you. I noticed Pastor Todd being so busy, he still had time to get a haircut. Looks real good. That nice, nice look. Did Leanne did it? Good job, Leanne. Pastor Todd is styling. I preached her to sleep, and now she woke up. Is that what's going on back there? No. We love our babies that are never intimidated by them crying ever. We love them and love their, they're in the house of God at such a young age. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. Allow you to be a light, a dark place. May he bless everything you touch. May your dreams be in color. May your visions be enlarged. But most importantly, may the words of your mouth, the meditation of your heart be acceptable in his sight. Make sure.